Hello everybody and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down Mavs vs. Rockets, Bucks vs. Celtics, and Grizzlies vs. Trailblazers from yesterday. Going to be giving you a quick injury report for the games we have today, and giving you all of the information you need to know for today's matchups. It's a quadruple header, the first time that's happened in NBA history since 2004, so a real treat for us today. Let's kick things off. This is Don't Burst My Bubble. Okay, so let's start the show by giving a quick injury report. This is as of 11 a.m. Eastern Time when the team submitted these. So for Miami at Nuggets, notable injuries. Jamal Murray is questionable with uh, left hamstring tightness. Uh, that should be expected. We've had a lot of hamstrings uh, playing up with players, you know, as they're getting their legs back from this time off. So nothing to be too concerned about there. Then also Gary Harris is out with a right hip muscle strain. For Pelicans at Clippers, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams are still out. Uh, Montrez Harrell sort of reporting yesterday in his own words that uh, the reason he has been away is due to the the passing of his mother. So... Uh, that's terrible news, so um, thoughts with him, absolutely. Uh, whatever he needs to do, whether he's able to come back to his team or not, remains up to him, uh, but just wishing him the best. For sixes at Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon is questionable with a cervical strain. Not ideal, I know Pacers fans were excited to watch Brogdon return to play, having uh, come into the bubble a little bit late due to testing positive with the coronavirus. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis for the Pacers is also out with left foot plantar fasciitis, which is very painful, so uh, hopefully he's doing okay. I know that he had to leave the bubble at one point to receive some medical treatment on that, so hopefully he will have a speedy recovery. For Lakers at Raptors, the only thing you need to know is that Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma are all probable to play. A lot of them were questionable for the uh, Lakers-Clippers game, but it is likely that they will be playing. Uh, so that's great news. Let's talk about what happened last night. Let's go in reverse order. So for the freshest game in our minds, Mavs versus Rockets. The Rockets won 153-149 to in overtime. Let's break down that box score. So for the Rockets, Harden had 49 points on 14 for 20 uh, shooting from the field. Uh, just 3 of 9 from 3, 18 for 21 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. James Harden is not messing around. He looks well rested. He looks ready to go. Easily could have gone for more points, in my opinion. If his 3 was a little bit, uh, little bit better, a little bit closer to what it usually is, then I think that James Harden easily would have had towards 60 points. He had 23 points in the first quarter for god's sake like oh my god he also only had one turnover so just a ridiculously efficient game from him uh nice job harden uh russell westbrook had 31 points uh 13 for 30 from the field 11 rebounds eight assists with six turnovers but you know that's to be expected but still early on daniel house jr had 20 points he went uh six for 12 from three for them which was really very helpful uh, and Ben McLemore, 13 points off the bench, 4 for 4 from the field. So good performance by him too. For the Mavs, Porzingis, what a game. 39 points, 13 for 26 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 10 for 11 from the free throw line, and 16 rebounds. Thank you, Chris Epps, Porzingis. Knicks fans are crying themselves to sleep. 
Luka Doncic, 28 points, 11 for 27 from the field. Just one of nine from three, though. Pretty disappointing. More on that a little bit later. 13 rebounds, 10 assists, 8 turnovers. So, ooh, not fantastic there, but a triple-double nonetheless and a really good one at that. Uh, Trey Burke. Who'd have thought it? 31 points for the Mavs off the bench. 11 for 16 from the field. 8 of 10 from 3. 6 assists, looking like the Trey Burke from Michigan in 2013. What a performance. Another Michigan man now, Tim Hardaway Jr., 24 points, 6 of 12 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, and 7 of 7 from the free throw line. So let's talk about this game. What an offensive game. The defense definitely increased with both teams sort of, uh, well, the Mavs in particular, their offense definitely slowing down into the third and fourth quarters. After scoring 40 in both the first and the second, they were down to 20 points by the fourth quarter. James Harden looked completely unstoppable, and I think he is gearing up for what will, I'm assuming is going to be the best postseason of his career. I, I am a Rockets believer right now, and that's something that I never thought that I'd say, because I'm not the biggest fan of James Harden. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him because he is arguably the greatest offensive talent of uh, his generation. Many would argue, you know, Kevin Durant for that. You could argue LeBron James, Steph Curry, but James Harden is ridiculous, and he showed that last night. Um, Porzingis also had a, ri a ridiculous game uh, without much work in the post, though, and that's something that the announcers kept touching on is the fact that against a Rockets team like this, you've really got to punish them for being small, and Porzingis doesn't really have the capabilities to do that. He's one of the least efficient post players, uh, honestly, in the game. Um, however, showed off what's great about him. He was talking about um, the fact that he's actually lost some weight since he was playing. He said that when he was away from the team back in Latvia, he actually got a little thinner, and he actually felt that it made him feel a lot healthier, and it meant that his shot felt a little smoother. And I really feel like I could see that in the game last night. I thought that he, without that extra bulk, I definitely thought that his, his shot seemed to flow better. He seemed more comfortable out there. So I, I say if that works for him, then you just keep going on that, Porzingis. Great job. Uh, the Mavs did show some exploitation of that small ball lineup by using Boban Marjanovic, who is obviously about, you know, nine inches taller than, <laughs> like seven inches taller than anyone who's on the Rockets lineup right now. Um, so... Definitely some exploitation there, which would definitely be a concern for the Rockets if they're playing an L.A. against a Denver in particular is who I would be worried to match up against if I was the Rockets. Because not only does Denver have that capability from the three-point line, but Bol Bol and Jokic, Jokic in particular, would absolutely abuse this Rockets team right now. So that's definitely a concern for Rockets fans, I would say. Um, and the only real other thing that I want to touch on in this game is the fact that uh, Luca pulls up from three way too much, and it's been something that I've been I've been focusing on. So in Europe, he would attempt between four to five threes per game uh, when he was playing there. When he was, you know, significantly younger, between sort of sixteen and eighteen, is the years that he really blew up as a player in Europe. Um, so he he made about twenty eight to thirty three percent of the threes that he shot when he was in Europe, doing four to five uh, per game, or attempting four to five per game. In the NBA this year, he averaged nine three-point attempts this year, and he made just 31% of them. Uh, he's still shooting 46% 40, uh, from the field overall, so still a very efficient offensive player. But Luka has this belief in his three-point shot that is kind of 
not unfounded by any means because he's not a bad shooter. He's going to get much better as he gets older too, I'm sure. But as of right now, like, geez, nine three-point attempts a game is a lot if you're only shooting 31%. That's like Brooke Lopez shooting nine threes a game, which is kind of crazy. Obviously, I'm being, you know, slightly hyperbolic there because the uh, the difficulty of the three-point shots that Luca is attempting is is much higher. A lot of them come from um, step-back opportunities. He will um, be dancing around with a defender. He usually has, you know, maybe not necessarily contact, but he definitely has someone all over him when he's attempting those threes. You know, not a lot of his shots are, you know, coming off the catch, stood still, no one around him. He can knock those down without much of an issue, but... He takes a lot of heavily contested threes, and I'm not sure that it's always um, of the benefit for the Mavs. I think that hopefully in the playoffs, um, you will see Luka do more of what he does best, which is just taking it to the basket, using his uh, really underrated speed and acceleration for a guy who is um, on on the bulkier side. He's definitely a lot leaner right now than we've probably ever seen him before. Uh, he's carrying whatever weight he's at really nicely at six seven. So I think that uh, more drives to the basket is really what Luca needs to be to be showing off. I think that it really comes to the Mavs' detriment at the end of games where Luca decides to really do a lot of ISO plays um, and he goes for sort of ridiculously deep contested threes when really in the Mavs' games that are close that we've seen the Mavs really excel in is when Luca in those last few minutes will take it to the basket because he's almost guaranteed to get a foul um, at this point. So uh, an interesting one. We'll, we'll see how Luca's uh, shooting progresses throughout the bubble. I would have thought that it was going to be, be a little bit better, if anything, without fans around. You would assume that um, a lot of players are going to be shooting a higher percentage without those distractions. So I'm not sure what we'll see there, but I say Luca just... Take it to the hole. You do a really good job of that, so stick with that for now. Uh, so the Mavs have the number one number one offense in the NBA, and I just thought that it was an interesting stat that they are the 29th team in the league for um, clutch opportunities when the game is sort of within five points in the last two minutes. The Mavs are 29th in the league for uh, winning those games, so uh, not ideal going into playoff time. Luca said that he thought that you know, the Mavs are a young team and it's something that they're going to get better at and he's confident that they're going to come together on that uh, when they really need to. Uh, Last night would have been a really good opportunity to do that, though. Uh, So definitely a disappointment for the Mavs, having led for the majority of the game. Uh, I'm sure they'll rally from that and I don't think they should have too much of an issue taking down the Suns on Sunday. Uh, Let's talk about Bucks celtics So the Bucks won 119-112. to Um... Let's break down that box score again. So the Bucks, Giannis had 36 points on uh, 14 for 20 from the field, 15 rebounds and 7 assists. Chris Middleton, 18 points, 6 of 20 from the field, so definitely not his most efficient game, but he did have 8 assists and 5 rebounds. And from that point on from the Bucks, it was really just a good team effort um, from everyone out there. Uh, Brooke Lopez had 14 points, but really it was just the Giannis show and everyone else is going to get between 5 and 10 points and that's all they really needed. For the Celtics, however, um, definitely more of a, a, a shared opportunity. No real star player coming out to coming out to show off in in yesterday's matchup. At least Marcus Smart had 23 points off the bench to lead the Celtics. Seven of uh, seven eleven from the field, three of six from three. 
Jalen Brown had a great game, 22 points, 6 of 15 from the field. So not super efficient, but his presence was definitely known. Gordon Hayward, 17 points. I thought Gordon Hayward actually looked really confident yesterday, and that made me really happy to see. He was 6 of 14 from the field, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds and 6 assists. So definitely one of the better Gordon Hayward games we've seen in quite a while. I'm really hoping for big thing, uh, big things from him in the bubble. He's had plenty of time to rest up, and I'm just hoping that he's going to be coming into these games with a lot of confidence because he's really a, a game-changer for the Celtics when he's on. So hopefully we'll see more games like last night for Gordon Hayward. Kemba Walker had 16 points in just the 19 minutes that he played due to the fact that he is. Uh, they have some sort of minute restriction on him due to the fact that he is still having knee issues but he went five of nine from the field three of six from three so nice efficient game for him in very limited time and the story really of the game was the fact that Jason Tatum had just five points on two of 18 from the field you thought Lonzo Ball's game was bad uh, that first night back but Jason Tatum really struggled looking like the Jason Tatum that we saw from from the beginning of the season really it was kind of almost outrageous to watch having having seen the Jason Tatum that we saw by the by the end of uh, or where the season ended off when we went into the hiatus at that 30 point per game all-star top 10 guy in the league level player um it definitely looks like he's regressed and I think that it will come back as the bubble goes on but he was missing a lot of just really basic opportunities at the rim. Like his his finishing at the rim in particular is what I really stood out to me as being particularly poor last night. He had a couple of really easy layup opportunities, or not really easy, but a couple of layup opportunities that he a hundred percent would have made back four months ago. That now a lot of them weren't even close. In all honesty, a lot of them even missed the rim. So. Um, not sure exactly what's happening for Jason Tatum. Not sure if he's lost some confidence. Hopefully, he'll be able to bounce back, though, because I, I wouldn't want this uh, this one bad performance from him to really alter how he's going to be viewing the rest of the season because I think that he absolutely has the capability to just come right back into the next game and drop 30 points. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see that from him. Really, the main takeaway from this game, though, other than Jason Tatum's poor performance, was that Giannis is undoubtedly the MVP of the league. He had 36 points, 15 rebounds, and 7 assists. LeBron has been trying to push his media narrative that he should win the MVP. What did he do in his first game? 16 points. I think he had 11 rebounds. Come on, LeBron. You want to talk about being the MVP? Let's put up MVP numbers, because... This first game back, Lakers-Clippers, that's a big statement game. Bucks-Celtics, also a big statement game. Giannis also played tremendous defense. Um, you know, there were some questionable calls. That some people would argue that Giannis fouled out of the game multiple times, but the referees ended up siding with him. I'm not, I'm not certain that I disagree with any of the calls that the referees made, but I think the most questionable one was Marcus Smart's... Um, attempt at taking a charge toward the end of the game he did get his feet outside of the restricted zone but I would argue that he was still moving uh, way after Giannis had taken off his feet weren't planted so I think that the referees made the correct decision there was a point where Giannis was pretty rough with uh, Daniel Tyson that probably should have been a personal foul um, not sure exactly what happened with the officiating there especially because a lot of these games that we've been seeing early have actually been really strict in terms of uh, the officiating. So Giannis got away with a lot yesterday, but hey, it worked. 
good win for the Bucks. Um, all that I, yeah, all I can really say is that you you can't judge too much of the Celtics' performance based off of that game, and you can't, I mean, you can't judge that much of the Bucks. The Bucks, you know, really missing Eric Bledsoe. You'd you'd think that with the defensive capabilities they showed off in that game yesterday, uh, just imagine that with Eric Bledsoe, who's a great on-ball defender. So that would that would definitely help them on the defensive end of the ball. And then the Celtics. They're not going to be winning a lot of games if Jason Tatum is putting up five points. It's honestly pretty impressive that they managed to stay in the game for as long as they did. Part of that coming from limited Giannis minutes, as we've come to expect this season. But for the Celtics to have any hope of having a kind of deep playoff run, they're going to need Jason Tatum to be averaging at least 20 points a game. He cannot be doing five. It's just just not going to work. But really enjoyable game to watch. Um, Yeah. Watch the highlights if you haven't, because there were some pretty outrageous dunks by Giannis, at the very least, that you can definitely take some enjoyment out of, even if you're a Celtics fan. And finally, for the games from yesterday that we're going to talk about, we won't really mention Kings Spurs or, uh, wait, was it Kings Spurs? It was, it was Kings Spurs and it was Magic Wizard, so we're not going to touch on those. I didn't watch them, you shouldn't have done either. Uh, let's talk about Grizzlies Blazers. The Blazers won 140 to 135 in overtime. Uh, let's break down the box score very quickly. Uh, the Blazers, CJ, great game. 33 points, 14 for 21 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 assists. Dame, 29 points, 10 of 22 from the field, only 2 of 9 from 3, 9 assists. Great game from him otherwise, um, other than that 3-point shooting. Mello, 21 points, 7 of 10 from the field. Hello, Carmelo Anthony. Yusuf Nurkic absolutely stuffing the stat sheet. 18 points on 5 of uh, five of 11 from the field. 8 of 8 from the free throw line. 9 rebounds, 6 blocks. Oh my god, Nurkic is back. 5 assists and 2 steals. And Gary Trent Jr., an absolutely essential piece for them. Played tremendous defense. 17 points on 4 of 5 from 3. For the Grizzlies, uh, really only three players, and it was the young guns who really stood out to me. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 33 points on 10 of 22 from the field, 6 of 15 from the three. That's right, you heard me correctly. Jaron Jackson Jr. shot 15 threes (laughs) yesterday. That is the same number as CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard combined in the game, so... Um, interesting, Jaron Jackson Jr. thinking he was Steph Curry, but still making six of those, and they were, honestly, all pretty good looks. I think that he got a little overconfident in places, but hey, good for him, six threes, not bad. John Morant had 22 points, 11 assists, and five rebounds. Rookie of the year performance, as we've come to expect. Really came together in the fourth quarter for Jar after very limiting, uh, limited scoring up to that point, but really kept the Grizzlies in the game through the fourth. Uh, Brandon Clark, also a great game, 21 points, 7 of 8 from the field, and 7 rebounds. So, main takeaways from this game, the uh, the Blazers look really good. The Grizzlies, also as it happens, look really good. A really entertaining game to watch, very close throughout the whole thing. CJ McCollum's setback 3 is absolute filth, I cannot believe it, it is outrageously nice. Uh, good for him, I think he has to have been working on that throughout throughout this hiatus that we've had, because he looked fantastic. Uh, CJ and Dame actually both really exploited the Grizzlies, um, particularly at the rim, actually. Dame had sort of a lot of his signature uh, flying layups where he goes almost horizontal in the air when he does it, but he looked absolutely fantastic. Not a great deal that the Grizzlies could do on the inside there. 
Um, what uh, what really stood out to me actually was the the Grizzlies made some real awful mistakes at the end of the game, which is really what uh, ended up costing them. Um, what what happened was Carmelo Anthony was left wide open on three three point attempts in the exact same place. The the Blazers ran the exact same play three times, and the Grizzlies bit on it every single time. Um, and Melo uh, hit two of them. He hit the one that ended up um, saving the Blazers and making it go to overtime. He missed the last one where the Blazers actually had an opportunity to win before it even went into overtime. Um, but yeah, Carmelo Anthony had a really great shooting game. And Grizzlies, I know a lot of you are young, but you know who Carmelo Anthony is. And you know that you shouldn't be letting one of the best scorers in NBA history be wide open three times in the exact same spot. Because he's going to knock some of them down, at least. And he did. He knocked down two of them. Yusuf Nurkic looked incredible. And it is so obvious how much of a game changer he is for the Blazers. Um, I think that, you know, they've struggled to put the Grizzlies team away. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they let them come back into the game because the Grizzlies really had a surprisingly good shooting t- uh, shooting game for a, for a team that is not exactly stacked from the three-point line. Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't usually going to make six threes, but, you know, good for him for managing that. Uh, the Blazers' defense was definitely lackluster at times. Um, obviously, CJ and Dame aren't, aren't known for their defense. Uh, they were very lucky to have Gary Trent Jr. because he played really well on the defensive end. Good few steals by him as well. Uh, just a great defensive presence. You could tell that Jaw was definitely more cautious when he was being guarded by Gary. Um, so that was that was really good. I, I think that Gary Trent Jr. is one of the main reasons why Jaw wasn't able to run away with this game um, for the first three quarters. And Nurkic um, had he was all over the paint. He he had a really great defensive game too. Uh, other than that, Blazers, you know, when you have CJ Dame and Melo on the floor, you're obviously going to sc- uh, struggle on the defensive end. And uh, Dame didn't have his usual lights out shooting night. So I think that that's what I would attribute to uh, the Blazers not being able to pull away quite as well. But this really sets us up for a really interesting place in the West. The Grizzlies obviously wanted to win this game. The Pelicans having lost their game against the Jazz, it would have been great for the Grizzlies to be able to take another game step away from the Blazers, away from the Pelicans, and away from everybody else who's chasing them for that eight seed. But now, it's looking just more and more entertaining with the Blazers gaining that win, the Pelicans playing against the Clippers today. If they can win there, who knows? We're going to be in for a very interesting run for that eight seed in the Western Conference. And I think it's looking more and more likely that that play-in tournament is going to happen. So let's give you a quick little... uh, little spots of information for what you need to know for these games that are coming up today. So Miami at the Nuggets at 1 Eastern time. Um, that It'll be interesting to see how the Nuggets are playing, whether they stick to that big man lineup, whether how many, how many minutes Bol Bol is getting, how many uh, minutes, if any, Jamal Murray will play, and just how Bol Bol is looking. Uh, not Bol Bol, sorry, I already said him. Just a lot of Bol Bol on the brain, you know how it is. How Nikola Jokic will play also. I think it'll be interesting to see how Bam Adebayo is able to deal with this big man lineup, um, how well he'll be able to defend Jokic, and I'm sure he'll probably have to spend some minutes on Bol Bol at times. 
definitely, definitely will be interested to see if Jimmy Butler is guarding Bol Bol at points because that would be so much fun to watch. And if you are uh, Miami, you just pray to God that you never have Nikola Jokic or Bol Bol switch onto Kendrick Nunn because that would be like Bol Bol and Nikola Jokic switching onto empty space. Um, Pelicans Clippers... Um, I think that the Pelicans do have an opportunity to win this game, depending entirely on how many minutes Zion plays. If Zion only plays 20 minutes, I don't see it being particularly close, given how close the Clippers were with the Lakers. Um, Clippers will want to win this one, I had imagined, just so they're not in danger of slipping down toward uh, Denver in that three spot. Uh, it should be interesting to see what Kawhi and Paul George are able to do with a defense that is nothing like what the Lakers provided. Um, should be a fun game to watch, definitely. Sixers at Pacers. It's just going to be good to see the Sixers team now with Ben Timmons at the power forward slot. So what you'll want to be looking out for is how well Shake Milton is playing in that point guard position. Um, and exactly what's going on in the paint with Ben now being able to slash a little bit more. Um, how Embiid is doing. I would say just watch for Embiid as well. Watch how his demeanor is because we know that that changes massively from game to game um, and depending on sort of what uh, touches he's getting, um, how many shots he's getting up, uh, and whether he's going to be shooting from the three-point line I think will be interesting to see for both Joel Embiid and for Ben Simmons. Let's see. Do you think Ben Simmons is going to make a three today? I think he could. I think he might. Let's find out. And finally, Lakers at Raptors. This could be a really good matchup. The Lakers, if they win this game, will secure the, uh, the number one seed in the West and then will be able to uh, sort of load manage Anthony Davis and LeBron for the rest of the games without it affecting uh, their seeding in any way. So the Lakers definitely going to want to come out swinging on this one. But as we know about this Raptors team, they do not go down without a fight and they are so scrappy. And right now have everybody healthy so that's all you could really ask for if you're a Raptors fan is oh my god thank goodness we finally have a fully healthy starting lineup so that'll be interesting uh it'll be great to watch what Nick Nurse has managed to dream up defensive schemes wise and how they're going to deal with Anthony Davis uh how they're going to deal with LeBron James so I think that's probably the game that I'm most looking forward to of the day is Lakers at Raptors if you can only watch one game today, I suggest it be that one. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Don't Bust My Bubble. Thank you so much for listening. I will be right back here tomorrow with all of the news that you need for the games that are happening then, a recap of the games that are happening today, and anything else you might need to know from inside the NBA's Orlando bubble. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Don't Bust My Bubble. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much.